Spend the week before your wedding desperately trying to cheat on your fiance. It's time for Pod Cusack. The world out your window, some may find frightful, but inside your headphones, the sound is delightful. This holiday season, not a lot you can count on, but these three things remain true. It's Christmas, Pod Cusack, and I love you. It's Christmas, Pod Cusack, and I love you. It's, it's Christmas, Pod Cusack, and, and well, well, baby, baby. I, I love, love you. Hey everybody, welcome to Pod Cusack. I hope everyone is having a very merry holiday season and you enjoyed the brand new limited Christmas edition Pod Cusack theme music that you just heard. We're really excited that's going to run on this podcast and the next podcast because right now we are doing Pod Christmas. It's the two movies that are vaguely Christmas themes that John Cusack has been in. And as always, this is Pod Cusack, the podcast dedicated to and explicitly for Hollywood's most medium actor, John Cusack. With me on this episode to discuss the 2001 romantic comedy Serendipity are two of my favorite people, comedian, podcaster, all-around queen, Elise Morales. Hello. Thank you for being. Hello. Fresh off viewing our film can't wait to talk about it oh this is a good one my other guest comedian podcaster all around queen millie tamarez thank you for the you know getting my credits uh on point <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and having me and um yeah this movie this is a movie this it is, is a movie, a movie. <laughs> I think that's one of the most accurate things that will be said on this podcast this evening. It is a movie. Yes. But before we get into serendipity, can we talk about like what is your relationship to John Cusack the actor, John Cusack the celebrity? Millie, let's start with you. Do you are you a fan? Are you yes. a super duper yes. fan? So John Cusack is in that genre of white male actors that are so hot that I think they're part Asian. But they are not. It see also Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Justin Long, Josh Hartnett. There's a lot of them. The guy oh, from oh yes. yeah. There's a lot wow. of there's a lot of actors that look part Asian and they look like a sexy mixed Asian and they're not. They're just white. And John Cusack is the blueprint for that. Wow. Wow. So he's like the OG. The OG vaguely uh, Asian white, white man cosplaying as mixed Asian. You know, I find Asian men attractive and mixed race Asian men attractive. And I get bamboozled every time. And John Cusack for sure is one of them. That's so, but yeah, he's an attractive man. And also memory, 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 memory. I was watching when I was like 16, I was watching um, Better Off Dead. Which one's the one? I forget if it was. The skiing movie. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it was the skiing movie or the one with Demi Moore. Um, I think it was the skiing movie. I was watching the skiing movie when I was 16 with my dad and my dad paused the movie c- to answer the phone. And then he gets, he, he's like, okay. And he hangs up and then he looks at me and he's like, Abuela's dead. And then he sits for a second and then he presses. 
And that, my friends, is my relationship to John Cuse. <laughs> wow. I will say that is one of the more ringing endorsements we've had on the podcast so far. I think you and Bailey are the only two people who have been active fans uh, <laughs> Fans of are JC. Rich. Elise, you have an interesting relationship to John Cusack, right? I do. As far as his work, I would say I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I've encountered it. I think as far as being a fan goes, I'm definitely more of a fan of Joan. Sure. And would even mm. say a stan of Joan. Interesting. Um, Joan has played many roles that I love very much, especially in Adam's Family Values. So that's as far as work goes. When we talk about John Cusack, I'm like, John Cusack. <laughs> but my relationship with John Cusack is, <laughs> and I told Matt this when he asked me to do the show, is that my mother started a my so one thing to know about my mom is that she is constantly starting new social media accounts and then forgetting the password so like she starts an account uses it for like two days gets logged out forgets the password starts a new account so my mom has like so many social media accounts (laughs) and they're like half set up and the usernames don't make sense like it's (laughs) so twitter is like 50 percent russian bots and 25 percent your mom absolutely absolutely and also like she has a different, like, not secure password for every single one. Like, once we figure out what it is, it's like, hello, two. And I'm just like, that was the password. Okay, so. Because <laughs> she doesn't want to forget it, Elise. But she forgets. She doesn't write the Tell she- her to get one password. Millie, I've told her to get one password. <laughs> I explain that she can save them on her desktop it's not (laughs) happening so anyway at one point she started another new twitter account and she followed me from this account and the account was like deborah and then just a string of numbers like random numbers and it it had no picture like it it looks like a bot (laughs) and so i log into twitter one day and i see the first thing that pops up is a tweet from John Cusack and this will date it because it was John Cusack was tweeting about how John John McCain had brain cancer but um was voting against health care which like flash forward he doesn't Mm -hmm. actually do that but anyway this was before John McCain actually did his thumbs down thing and was good. And oh, so, I mean, did his thumbs down thing and died. Yeah, you know, he, you know, whatever. Died, but yeah. anyway, John Cusack is tweeting and he's he's being kind of a dick about it, especially considering like, <laughs> that's not ultimately what happens, but he's saying like John McCain has, has good health care and whatever, fuck him, even though he has brain cancer. So my mom thought that this, I could tell like, my mom is like, liberal but she doesn't like being like mean and I could tell my mom thought that that was like rude for him to say something to John McCain in this time after his brain cancer diagnosis and for him to be mean to John John McCain on Twitter so I log in and I see this tweet from John Cusack and then right under it is a response from this my mom's account which looks like a bot and it and it says and does your health care suck I think not. You know what? I just found out who, <laughs> all right, sorry. I wish I had never followed you. I just found out who you are and you are not creditable. 
Um, it's just her dunking on him. And also like my mom's like typing and spelling online is like very peak boomer. So everything looks, it, every, it every looks other crazy. Word, every other word's capitalized. Exactly. Like Don, when Donald Trump like tweets and stuff, I like can't even make fun of him too much because I'm like, this is just like. <laughs> I love that your mom followed John Cusack before even knowing who he was. I asked her about it. I did follow up with her after that. And I said, mom, what's your deal with John Cusack? And she wrote back and she was like, he is an asshole. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, do you have you? Because the idea that my mom's ever seen, I mean, maybe she would have seen serendipity. Like maybe she knows who he is. But I was like, she's not seeing high fidelity. Like, yeah. I was like, how did you end up following him? Basically, she was like, Twitter just told her, you know how Twitter like recommends you <laughs> yeah. follow random people? I guess when you start a new account and you've engaged with absolutely nothing, Twitter tells you to follow John Cusack. <laughs> and so my mom followed him. Well, they say that now. Soon it will be Pod Cusack that they will yes. follow. They will yes. recommend. What I wonder um, what your mom will think of the dirtbag left. <laughs> I actually heard your mom's episode of Chapo. It was good. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So before we get into the movie Serendipity itself, uh, I just wanted to run through some stats. This is actually one of John Cusack's bigger hits. On a budget of $28 million, it made $70 million worldwide, which I think for a rom-com type movie is huge. Yeah. So this it's was actually a huge hit. all from residuals from TBS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is one of the ones that, like, I remember it. Like, I remember when it came out, kind or kind of, like, I remember the plot of it always being around. I had no idea this was such a huge movie. And when you go on Rotten Tomatoes, I like Rotten Tomatoes because they have, like, the critics score and then the people score. Mm -hmm. And the critics gave it 58%. So I think that's, like, technically rotten. But the people are 79%. People love this movie. I had no idea. It's really strange. It was real chicken and the egg for me of the restaurant with the frozen hot chocolate or like what was famous first, if it, if they named it after this movie or before. But I feel like no, but they, I don't know, right? There's like multiple of them now and it's like a big New York item, the frozen hot chocolate oh. and serendipity. I did not know that. I oh, didn't you didn't know, know that? that. No. Maybe because I was a tour guide, but like everybody comes to New York, like they go to Times Square, they blah, blah, blah. Like one of the tourist destinations is to go to uh, Serendipity um, and get a frozen hot chocolate, which is I bet it's eating. the movie. It's yeah, sure. the movie that made it cool. Wow, that's wild. Uh, this I guess this movie had a much bigger cultural impact than it I did. realized. It's got a stacked cast. Yeah, yeah. Right. Big hit, heavy hitters for that time in this movie. Speaking of the cast, let's get into the Cusack number. So we talk about every movie. There's a number of Cusacks, right? There's John, there's Joan. There's the two biggest ones. But there's also Anne, there's Dick, there's Susie, there's Bill. There's a lot of Cusacks who pop up oh, throughout no the films. Other, I did not know there were other ones. And I, oh, I, like, also they're like the Baldwins. Yeah, they're very similar to the Baldwins. The Cusack number of this movie is 1.5. Because while there's only one Cusack, also Jeremy Piv is in this movie who's John Cusack's best friend from high school and pops up in like 10 of his movies oh, so we'll, we'll give him a, he's like an honorary I didn't know about the Cusack Piven connection oh I big time I did not time. know that either They're, they were like best friends until they had a falling out after Entourage because apparently Jeremy Piven got really famous and became an asshole oh. 
And then Cusack was like, you know, sometimes people let he has like he's quoted somewhere. I've done a lot of research for this podcast, but he's done he's quoted somewhere in one in like The Guardian or something that just says, you know, some people just can't handle fame. <laughs> Ooh, so, but wow. honestly, honestly, go off Cusack because Cusack's been famous since he was like 16, eight, 16, 18 right? or something. So. And he's like, has he had a scandal really? I mean, other than getting dragged by my mom. Yeah, I mean, that's that's his low point for sure. Yeah, no, I don't think he's had. Yeah, he hasn't had a scandal. Like, he's generally, like, liked. So, yeah, Piv- you know, Piven has, Piven got me toot or something, right? Piven, I've heard, is a creep. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like I've heard bad Piven. things about Jeremy Piven. But anyway, so I'm sure, which, you know what, T, I'm not going to say names, but I've heard that like like that's a dynamic that happens a lot in and i you know i've just heard of a dynamic like that in comedy where it's like two people are friends and one person's like obviously way more famous than the other one and then when the other one gets famous they start being a huge asshole and they've had all this built up resentment yeah and the person who was famous before was like what the fuck like this is so weird so i googled jeremy piven bad (laughs) <laughs> and the first article that came up is from USA Today on uh, the 3rd of July, 2019. And the headline is Jeremy Piven says he was collateral damage of hashtag Me Too movement. Mm. <laughs> so, it doesn't, I haven't read the article, but it doesn't, doesn't bode seem, well. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't bode well. <laughs> Do we need to read the article? Are we going to use one of our, of our free USA Today <laughs> Clips. Our five articles the, of the month of the month for USA to find out Jeremy pivoting shit. You know, <laughs> we could we feel the vibes. That's the good thing about being a millennial. We get the vibes. We here at, at Pod Cusack Nation uh, will will Nation. yeah we'll stand up and say we don't like Jeremy Piven here. <laughs> uh, I'm not Team I'm not Cusack. scared. I'm not scared to say it. Fuck that guy. Listen up, Piven. I don't like your attitude. I don't like your fucking fake toupee. I know it got better after you got that entourage money, but that serendipity toupee is a piece of shit, and yeah. you're a piece of shit. It was thinning. No, it wasn't. You don't think it was his hair? Because it was already really oh, thin. Oh, I think, I because I've seen him, you go back to like Gross Point Blank and like PCU, even like the mid-90s Piven, that's a, that's a rug he's wearing for sure. Damn. Pod Cusack does not fucking like it. All Just right, let's be get- bald, Piven. Just be Ed Harris does bald. it and it fucking you know rocks. What? Can I c- confession time? Mm-hmm. I'd be confusing him and Stanley Tucci. Oh God, we here at Pod Cusack love Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley uh, Piven could never ever no. be in Julia and Julia. Never. He could never play a loving, supportive husband. You know ever. what? I don't think that Piven could do a single thing that Stanley Tucci's done. No, but, but Stanley, Stanley Tucci, Tucci could do could everything. Do everything. everything that, imagine Stanley Tucci in as the movie. friend in this movie. The Kill movie him. improves it, by like 75%. Movie, oh my God. That just takes the movie to such a fucking Killer. great place. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into the movie itself. Maybe you should give me your phone number. On October 5th. Fate's telling us to back off. You don't have the most incredible night of your life with a perfect stranger and then leave it all to chance, do you? No name. I gotta find this girl before I get married. No address. I'm thinking that 
this mystery guy I met a million and a half hours ago. Just fade. Once in your lifetime, someone comes along whom you're meant to be with. For my friend, that person was me. <laughs> Serendipity. Rated PG-13. In theaters everywhere, Friday, October 5th. So I looked up a little bit about the backstory. It's directed by Peter Chelsum, whose only other major credit is the Hannah Montana movie. Oh. So, you know, he's got pedigree. That's an amazing body of work. He's made serendipity in the (laughs) Montana movie. He needs money every 10 years. He literally made two, like, like cultural, huge, iconic touchstone movies and was out good for him he'll make one it's time for him to make another one soon right he's uh he's the francis ford coppola of the early aughts i yeah, would say for sure this movie starts off we're, we're into it you got soaring aerial shots of new york city to let you know that new york city probably will be a character in this movie oh, you got louis armstrong on the soundtrack and it's like every 90s rom-com is like contractually obligated to use louis armstrong mm-hmm. Um, you start. You got the Christmas bells. You got the Christmas vibes. It's ooh, it's a Christmas rom com. We got the, the the vibe right away, and then we go into Bloomingdale's in New York City, which I have never been inside. So I would, I would, I would argue with you that the New York City is not a character. It's the Upper East Side ooh, that's a character. Okay, in this sure. Because that yeah, it's an Upper East Side is fucking corny. As someone who just got dumped by from someone who lived in the Upper East Side, <laughs> fucking corny, corny, corny as hell. It's it is truly like fascinating. Like what's on the mannequins there and stuff. It's just completely different. So we're in Bloomingdale's, uh, <laughs> and we 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 I, they do this thing that I actually really like in movies where they like follow an object along its journey and it's Mm -hmm. like the gloves get taken out of the bag in the stock room and then they get put on a tray and then they're moving through Bloomingdale's to get hung on the thing and I feel like I see that in a lot of movies and I always like it it's always (laughs) it really I will say that they do a really they did a really good job at the beginning of being like the hustle and bustle of Christmas everybody's going all over the store. (laughs) I personally was confused. I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Where the fuck are these people? And then also like stock rooms are like, you know, it was like two ladies and like one in a nice French braid. I'm like, no, there's like two people that are flirting and they're like, there's like loud music. I don't know. And like someone smoking weed. Someone's um, definitely smoking weed, especially at Bloomingdale's. We follow these gloves. They get hung up and two hands reach for them at the same time. And here's where we get our borderline nonsensical meet cute between John Cusack in the worst haircut I've ever seen and a stunning Kate Beckinsale. But she has some frizzy hair too. Like they wanted both of their hairs. Like she can, she's so hot that it like, transcends the haircut but john cusack didn't she date pete, pete davidson <laughs> that's exactly what i thought i'm like damn this bitch is like in her she looks old like, she's not old. i don't know how old she was do you know how old she was in this film because she was not like 18 timeless but yeah she, she's like she was like in oh, her 20s in this movie and this was know, 20 years ago i know at one point they say at the end that john cusack's character is 35 Oh, yeah, 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 they say that. Okay. So, so this is like a flashback 
that I think that's why they made their hair bad to yeah. to like be like they're young just to, to, to insinuate youth because when you're young and you're broke you're shopping at Bloomingdale's for yeah gloves. and you're hanging out in the Upper East Side in the wardrobe for Astoria um <laughs> I, I will say though John Cusack in this film it solidified to me that he is the blueprint for all Bushwick men Ooh, gangly like <laughs> like almost mullety haircut you know they all got that haircut now mm-hmm. and I mean, look i mean my got my hair is real long now too but you i don't think it's it's business in the front matt please no it's it's party all over it's party, <laughs> it's it's party. party. it's party all over honey it's party all the time <laughs> in, the, in the strickland household but yeah cusack is totally bushwick fuck boy Sorry, I know we're still on the gloves. Well, he's got those we're fingerless gloves. We're just on gloves. the gloves. Yeah, right. So Cusack and Kate Beckinsale, they both reach for the same uh, pair of gloves, and they have this this uh, witty repartee together. Uh, you know, they clearly have the hots for each other right away, and they're, they both say that they're in relationships, and Cusack is, like, just raring to cheat, just immediately immediately is like you know what that's real so so forwardly too like it's really out in the open that he's like i want to spend romantic time with you and i have a girlfriend and i am shopping for her right now and kate beckinsale too seems like relatively into it and they're both just like i don't you know i don't know how adultery happens but i feel like this can't be it (laughs) I feel like, yeah, it's, well, if I've learned anything from hanging out at McManus, it's it's that it is that cross-section between opportunity and like chance and opportunity and luck. I just know there's just always somebody who's like, people who are way too old to be making out in public, uh, both with wedding, you know, one with wedding rings on, whatever. Anyway, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I feel like, you know, sometimes at work, whatever, it happens gradually. But then sometimes it's just two horny people by chance. Sure. And um, <clears throat> and I feel like John totally would have if Kate let him, which I feel like is real. And Kate's still kind of like on the fence about it. She's so also she's British. Girl. So she's yeah. a little bit more uptight. You know, she's not as free wheeling with her sexuality as, you know you American women. <laughs> but then she likes all that like new age shit. Right. Who, yeah. And so we start to learn a little bit more about Kate Beckinsale's character. And she's like, I'm not going to tell you my name. I'm not going to give you my number. I'm going to give you no way to contact me. And if we, the universe wants us to meet again, we'll meet again. Even though they like, they leave, they go to get a coffee together. Then they both leave the coffee shop, but they both forget something. And then they like meet again. And then they continue on their night together. And, but she honestly just seems insufferable. It's like, you like me, give me your number or don't, whatever. But Sorry, I feel like this kind of stuff, now it was just, you would just exchange Instagrams. And then, and then when you're single, you just start commenting more on the stories. And the the plot of this that. movie could never happen in like the social media age. Yeah, you I can't think. be, literally, literally, I have a friend who just got married. She met a guy like in a meet cute thing, something like at the library or whatever. 
and then um he looked for her every single he looked on Facebook for every single like girl with her name found her message I mean they're married now well yeah like that's romantic yeah but like that wouldn't this serendipity would never happen I feel like she's kind of a manic pixie dream girl prototype like she's not quite one she doesn't have the right haircut to be one yeah, and she's, yeah. not, she's, she's not wearing pretty. glasses and like she doesn't listen to any music but <laughs> she doesn't listen to any indie rock but her as the woman being very like i believe in crazy fanciful silly things and i like i believe in fairies yeah. it's like okay well i like that she's ended up with someone who's even more kooky than her oh well we will get the, to we will get to him well we got to get there honey because yeah, all right, I have so some they they yeah. are, they they go ice skating and kate beckinsale ice skates in the most insane mini skirt I know. Like, I'm like, what I the could fuck see was she her vagina. Neck? Like it was insane. Which honestly, like, no shade. I probably, I would, I have worn that outfit. I wore that outfit last week. Um, I don't know if I'd go ice skating in yeah. that outfit, but if I wasn't planning on it, like that would be. That's you know what I mean. Like pantyhose and a little like knit skirt from H and M. Like it's in the realm of possibility. At first, I was yes. like, what the fuck? But I'm like. No, Millie, you would do this. And then they go through this whole thing. They go to the Waldorf Astoria. It's like, if we both press the same buttons, the scene honestly takes way too long. Uh, It's a a lot of, we get that they like each other and we get her point of view of the world. She's like, if we, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, we'll meet each other again. And then eventually they sort of both go their separate ways. And then we flash forward and... John Cusack is about to get married and it's to a brunette and the camera moves around and then boom, spoiler alert, it's not Kate Beckinsale, it's John Wick's dead wife. I feel like she's cuter than Kate Beckinsale, honestly. There's that's one of the flaws of this movie is there's nothing wrong with her. She's really nice nothing. and cool and Cusack really just treats nice her like garbage the whole movie. Yeah, no, yeah. and then also like usually with these rom coms, like there's something wrong with the like with Kate Beckinsale, you can tell why she wants to leave. Like this guy is a cultural appropriator of 18 different things <laughs> and also is an asshole. But John Cusack, you're like, this girl's really cool and thoughtful and she's about to get married. You're, you're Yeah, and she's dick. beautiful. And you guys she's have already paid out. for a wedding at the Waldorf Astoria. Like money is down. <laughs> Are we really doing this? Unlike who she's dating, who, when we saw this guy come around like the corner, me and Mary, we both let out an audible like, oh my God. I'm like, this guy's booked in everything. I mean, that guy from Sex in the City. Yeah, like 99 to 2002 was like his time, man. That's when Not he was even, peaking. Doug, he was in, um, what's that movie? The really cute one with the Asian girl. Oh, um, my the everyone's friends. Boys I, I loved before. before. To all the boys I loved before, mm-hmm. yes. Like, Dog is getting dad roles now and looks the same. Honestly, go off. So, Kate Beckinsale is getting uh, engaged to John Corbett. Uh, it, and John Corbett is this, like, long haired, like, plays psychedelic cornet in a Indian sitar band, whatever. Like, it's a very 
insane. Yeah, he's band. like a Union Square Hari Krishna guy. But, but in like, the the movie also, would have you believe that he's like a fake. huge success and like is touring the world. Yeah, but but honestly, in two thousand, yes, like maybe, kind yeah. of he would, right? I guess in he's like a Yanni. Like, in San Francisco, guy. like yeah, it checks out. Okay, I don't know if you're getting there yet, and I'm getting very impatient. But why <laughs> in the fuck is Molly is Molly Shannon wearing a bindi? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she owns the. Her thing is that she owns a new age store, but like literally is a cultural appropriator and doesn't like believe in any of it. And yeah, but she's wearing a bindi and like a Chinese like dress, and like scar- yeah, and she doesn't believe in it. And like, what is the message of this movie? Because they make a point to say that new age stuff is stupid. But then they're also like, leave it up to chance. But then Molly also makes a really good point where it's like, life isn't like, if life is predetermined, then what's the point of living it and making mistakes? And then, but then, yeah, like, I'm just like, what is the point of this? I I agree. I felt the same way. I was like, I can't tell what this movie wants me to think about fate. Because clearly, like, fate happened. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And by the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they do get together, Cusack and Beckinsale. In a very serendipitous way. One could say that. But and there's so many different conversations throughout about believing in love and letting fate take its course or like trying to control your life. And there's at least four or five different conversations about this like fate versus free will thing, but there's never any real point being made by any of them nor the movie seemingly also individual characters like change their point of view yeah at random times like when kate beckinsale when we see her for a second doing the therapy session when we see her at work and we like learn about her workplace and she's a therapist she's telling the kid that she's giving therapy to that like fate isn't like that he's putting too much pressure on himself and like fate isn't real and that like, and that like, there's a lot of people you can be happy with, not just this one person. So yeah. then I'm like, oh, okay. So they want us to think this, but th- exactly. It's all over the place. Even and that's Jeremy- never, it's never explained why she <laughs> says that to her patient. And that, but I feel like that's a good point. But then they, then the rest of the movie disproves that just like Molly, Sh- you know, so it's like, ugh. I, and for me, like, Jeremy Piven's character was crazy mm-hmm. and all over the place for me because I'm just like the yeah but then he changes his point of view yeah just and midway through he, he's like now I want to help and I believe 100% in this and I'm fully pushing John Cusack to do this shit and my life is a sham and my wife hates me and blah 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 it's like what the fuck yeah it's seeming it seems like the whole movie needed like one more rewrite to sort of keep the through lines of every character, you know, they all got a little jumbled. Mm -hmm. So Cusack has tracked down, he finds a receipt from the time that they got coffee in the past. And he's like, uses this like account number, this Bloomingdale's credit card account to try to track her down. And this is like, now the movie is sort of in motion. They're each trying to track down each other through different avenues and Cusack's trying to track her down with this credit card receipt and he goes into Bloomingdale's and that's where we meet a very funny Eugene Levy has a small role who's like he he I thought was like the 
the brightest spot of the movie. I thought the bit where he's telling him to not come behind the counter was very funny. I think you're just wasting my time. No, sir, no, here's the thing. I, there's nothing Barry, I can do. You cannot be over here. You cannot come over All right. to this All side right. of the counter. Please don't cross this line. I understand. We're Thank you. Start here. Yeah, Levy rules. He was great. <laughs> I will say that he... I, I was disappointed not only in Molly Shannon's like cultural appropriative shit, but also sh- Molly Shannon is like the, the fucking best, and they give her nothing to do. Yeah, they, in this movie, it's a he didn't get to waste. do anything fun. Like even her being in um being the store's associate like would have been funny as hell, but yeah, they gave her like kind of the straight man role. Yeah, and like. The character, the character didn't have a thing, you know, it's like at first it's like, okay, so she owns a new age shop, but she doesn't believe in any of it. Maybe we're going to explore what that person would be like. We kind of don't like all of that stuff is gone as soon as they get to New York. She doesn't have like a set piece, like a comedy set piece. You know, you have this like one of the greatest comedic actors of like the 90s and 2000s and you don't she should have had like like eugene levy has that scene is like oh this is my big comedy scene molly shannon never gets her like comedy scene they should have gone to a club or like a world music or took a yoga class or whatever and then like seen that like beckinsale drags molly shannon to new york under the ruse of taking her there for her birthday, completely ruining Molly Shannon's birthday because <laughs> they're just there to find uh, Cusack somehow. Also totally unnecessary for her to bring Molly Shannon and ultimately yeah. she spends 90% of the time not with Molly Shannon. Also, so- <laughs> I, something that also bothered me, well, two things. One is that they they go and get cake at Serendipity and Molly Shannon does not eat the cake at all. Doesn't even touch it. Mary made a point to tell me I needed to mention that on the podcast. It was horrified. And that scene also, so early in the in the very beginning of the movie, John Cusack wrote his name and number on a $5 bill that then Kate Beckinsale used to buy gum and it like put it out into the world. And she was, it's part of her whole thing. If this $5 bill comes back to me, then I'll know. And in this scene, uh, Molly Shannon gets the $5 bill by stealing the tip from this server. Mary was fucking horrified and she was just like, you can't have the twist be involved in another horrifying thing like that. That's like finding out Bruce Willis is a ghost during 9-11. Like, what are we <laughs> supposed to be paying attention to here? No, 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 no. She, I think this is what happened. She paid with a 20 and then the, the person gave the change back and she took five, like, but she left like $3 or something. She didn't steal the tip. She just didn't leave all of the change as the tip. That makes a lot more sense. But um, something else that I, this is later, because they go back to the war door for whatever, and she sees her friend. And then her friend's like, I'm about to rehearse my wedding. Do you want to come watch? That, yeah, insane. That drove me <laughs> I was going insane. First of all, do you want to watch me rehearse my wedding? What? Number two, no. she invites her to the wedding and points to John Cusack and is like, we would we would be so sad if you didn't come. You saw this person for the first time in nine years, 20 minutes ago? This is not even your friend from college. This is your RA, RA. from college. Your RA! 
Like I can see, I guess if I was in that situation and like the only thing that would make sense to me is like, oh, three people aren't showing up. Like, and I have to pay for these meals anyway. Like not um, like, oh my God, it would mean so much to me if you came. And also like this wedding is an exorbitantly expensive wedding at the Waldorf Astoria. Yeah, Astoria, yeah. Uh, that's what I'd be like, hey, uh, this is weird, but like, if you don't have any plans tomorrow, somebody canceled, you can come, it'll be fun. I have a lot of single friends. It goes back to that thing you were saying, Matt, of like, it felt like it needed one more draft to like explain some shit that's going on and like have people explicitly say things, their motivation for doing certain things. Cause otherwise it makes no sense. Well, so much of this movie is like Kate Beckinsale leaves the coffee coffee shop and then two seconds later, John Cusack shows up and it's constantly like these misconnections and like seemingly implying that fate is trying to bring them together and they just keep missing each other. And this was one of, I think, one of those type of things where Molly Shannon, who's Kate Beckinsale's best friend, is college friends with Bridget Moynihan, who's marrying, it's just trying to do one more connection and it just really needless and doesn't make any fucking sense it's so forced to try to force just yet another one of these connections into the movie and i feel like this could happen like something like this could happen kind of i guess if like maybe they don't follow each other on instagram now but what i was gonna say was like there's something about these you know there's like a genre of like 2000s rom-coms that are kind of this one's not the worst but like have so many poorly aged jokes like uh, in the beginning there was like a weird trans joke about like whatever then jeremy piven at the dinner makes like sure like does like kind of a weird homophobic or like a gay accent which is oh yes i forgot that at the dinner jeremy piven does like a gay impression yeah and for like, no that was reason like, oh he's such a goofball and then another thing that's like this would never get made now is like yeah i mean it's not surprising that everybody but like literally every major role is a white person which now they would probably give like the friend of the person of yes. color or whatever, but literally anybody, nobody who's a person or of like color. Or like the other girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And there's like the, the lesbian joke where Bridget Moynihan assumes that they're a couple, Molly Shannon and Kate Beckinsale are a couple. And like the joke is the idea that someone in the world might be gay. It's very like friends. Like yes. friends has is constantly like Ross and Chandler. One of them could be gay. That's a joke unto itself. Yeah. And it's it was a very like '90s thing. Cusack flies across the country. He fi- eventually he tracks down her name and address. He flies across the country to San Francisco, and, and stumbles upon her sister house sitting for her having sex with her boyfriend. And then Cusack gets really upset because he thinks it's her. I guess. Yeah, and it's like, so you don't even know, you don't even, you don't recognize this woman. Like, yeah. and then also, like, they could, like, who has sex? Like, oh, the sex they were having that he could see in the window was insane. It's it reminded me of the Team America puppet sex. Yes. Like. Yes. And it was shot really, like, in a ridiculous way, I thought. And it also, this really bothered me 
when he finally gets her name, it's Sarah Thomas. Yeah. How did they find that? The most (laughs) basic name. They don't know where she lives yet. And the friend who writes obituaries for the New York Times calls someone on the phone and is like, I need an address for Sarah Thomas. And they get the address that way. Like all he needed to know was that her name was the most generic name humanly possible and they were able to locate her. This is New York Times propaganda. (laughs) They make it seem like the obit section of the Times is like the CIA who just like give them two scraps of information they could track down anyone in the world. Uh, I mean, let's just jump to the end. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of misconnections. Finally, she shows up, Kate Beckinsale shows up at his wedding at the Waldorf Astoria and the ballroom is empty and the chairs are being put away and she thinks she missed it. And then from the, you know, guy putting away the chair, she learns that the wedding didn't happen and he had called it off and this family lost thousands of dollars. Oh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, sure. Lost. Absolutely. And this is another thing that I also want to bring up that bothered me. So one of the serendipitous things that happens, of course, is that John Cusack's fiance gifts him the Mm. love in the time of cholera book that Kate Beckinsale wrote her like number in or whatever. Yeah, that's how he finds out she's Sarah Thomas. His fiance says this is a first edition. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm just like, that's an extremely inc- so Kate Beckinsale just wrote her name in a first edition copy of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's Love in a Time of Cholera and like just <laughs> that bothers and, me. That's a very valuable item. When Cusack opens it to 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 finally see her name that he's been looking for this whole movie in the corner, it says the book costs nine dollars and fifty cents. It's and- not possible. That would be a first edition copy of that, a book that famous. Like you're not writing your name in that. I mean, she's a man. Is it like a boy next door first edition of uh, the Odyssey? Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know that uh, reference, Matt? What is, is this the JLo movie? Yeah, the JLo movie where- A first edition of the the Odyssey? Odyssey? (laughs) You mean the 2000 year old book? That's the told poem that based that's on an oral tradition. Oral tradition. <laughs> you actually couldn't pick Whoa. a funnier thing to say you ever. That's heard. why I'm like they did it on purpose. Yeah, they have I mean, to. Yeah, well, and join, J-Lo didn't know, but I'm like they join probably. the Patreon because the Patreon of Pod Cusack is actually just us talking about J Lo movies. Oh, um, I would listen. I love a J Lo movie. I mean, yeah. Movie. Wedding planner. You know what? Plan a better like, movie. That's what I say. <laughs> no, like I watched, like I had a J Lo movie night, and we watched three J Lo movies. We watched Enough, obviously. Then we watched Boy Next Door, and then I was like, I really want to, like, wow, like men suck. These two movies are about this super abusive guys, like, you know, one that beat the shit out of her, one that like stopped and like fucking ruined her. Um, I want a palate cleanser. I want like a cute, heartwarming movie. And Wedding Planner was the worst of them because <laughs> it's fucking Matt McConaughey cheating on his girlfriend. Why, like with the Wedding Planner? And or goes, I'm like, Cameron Dude. Diaz, right? 
Uh, no, it's Bridget no, Wilson there... Sampras. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the one that's a similar. That's my best friend's wedding. Right. Yes. yes, yes well, yes. that was a big thing in the '90s. I guess it was all the. It was men realizing that they need to cheat on their girlfriends slash wives with the yeah. week of the protagonist. Wedding. Exactly. Men just ruining their wedding. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, ruining their wedding. And like the whole thing of my best friend's wedding is that it's 20, they're 27 and they're like, we're getting old. Right. But, That's um, the classic thing is that they agreed if we don't get married by 27, mm, we'll marry each other. Each other. But he I like how in modern is. day times that would be like, if we don't get married by 59, let's get married. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. But honestly, too, I'm like watching, like, because my, my friend was like, oh, I love this movie. I love this movie. Like, this movie's so good. And then I'm seeing Julia Roberts go through all these things. And I'm like, honestly, no offense, Elise, but I'm like, well, they're 27. We're a little older, but it's like, just wait it out. You know, they're going to get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait it out. He's going to fucking, they're going to be broken. If she's 20 and he's 27, they're going to be broken up in a year. Yeah. Like, wait it out. He might have a kid or two. And then y'all get back together and y'all be the forever. Yeah, it's fine. Just stay in his life. Just Play the long know. game, man. You just need a little. And with men, if John Cusack showed us nothing, you see a little crack of opportunity. And then you could exploit it and and make it seem like it was all their idea the whole time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this movie ends <laughs> with them both eventually wandering back to that ice rink that they enjoyed that fabulous first night on. Cusack sees Beckinsale and lets a single solitary tear run down his cheek. Yes. And then, you know, and then bing, bang, boom. That's, that's the movie. Okay, thoughts. Do y'all, have y'all ever like, kissed anybody in the snow like is snow romantic like that is totally something that i like like looking at it outside you're like oh this is pretty but i'm never like outside and like ooh. i mean the thing about being in the snow or sitting on an ice rink is that it's wet mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly and yeah. so i don't like that no absolutely when- not when I was, uh, it was my first year living in New York City, and I was in the East Village, and oh, it started geez. to snow, and I was you so... You went to 13th Step. <laughs> I was so drunk, yeah. I was so drunk in the East Village, and at this point, I lived on the Upper West Side, and it started to snow, and I was like, this is magical. It's snowing in New York City. I'm <laughs> drunk, blah, 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 blah. This is the most th- ma- greatest thing I've ever happened. I'm going to walk home. So I start to walk home from the East Village and I get like 19 blocks and I'm shivering fucking cold and I'm soaking wet and I'm so upset and I just call a cab and take a cab the rest of the way home. I was like, you bust your ass, you either fall on black ice or yeah. You... 19 blocks is that's so... a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, you know, and I you're was wearing drunk. like vans too, probably. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, There's sure. no way like you're ready for that. I was just like the canvas of my Chuck Taylors was just mm-hmm. drenched. <laughs> but you know, I was young and it was uh, seemingly romantic at the time. So to answer your question, no, Millie, I've never kissed anyone in the snow. <laughs> Um, so let's get to some segments. Uh, John Cusack 
has been in, you know, 40 plus movies, and yet he only claims to like about 10 of them. He has this quote in The Guardian that says, sometimes you do art and other times you just got to get paid. So over the course of this podcast, we've been saying, is this a movie? We have our 10 slots and we're saying, is this a movie that goes in one of those 10 slots? So far, the only movie that we've decided he is actually proud of is being John Malkovich. So we got one slot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that... Which also like that's core like i don't know (laughs) is john malkovich like less corny than serendipity well do you think that serendipity belongs in one of those slots no yeah no yeah i don't know i mean it seems like it was probably a pretty it was like one of his maybe more successful movies huge hit huge hit because there's a career value to being like i have a successful christmas movie under my belt like that's cool Mm mm-hmm um, All right. I, here's a question. Would you guys consider this a Christmas movie? Because I picked it to be on the Christmas pod Cusack schedule because of what I read about it on the internet. But really, the only the very beginning and very end are yeah. Christmas. But would you say that's enough to be this is a Christmas movie? I think it is because I think I bet if we looked back, it was released around Christmas time. Sure. To be enjoyed in a Christmas way. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that a lot of Christmas movies, the beginning and the end are Christmas. I'm wondering if it's like, do, does it have to be like Christmas themes? Like the Christmas themes of like family's the most important and all that shit. Because if no. that was the case, then wouldn't Home Alone not be a Christmas movie? Because it's like the days before Christmas or something. That's true. I mean, Home Alone, I would say, is that's canon. Same thing with Die Hard is like a canon Christmas movie, I think, at this point. Um, and yeah, none of those are like, the theme isn't like Yeah, the I feel thing. like- Well, the theme of Home Alone is like family is important. Sure, yeah. And I guess the theme of Die Hard is also family is important. Mm-hmm. And actually, the theme of serendipity is fuck your fiance. Yeah, fuck <laughs> your fiance on the, the week of your wedding. All right, next segment. Checked in Cusack, checked out Cusack, Nick Cage Cusack. This is where we judge his performance. Is he checked in? Is he checked out? Or, like in some of his later films, is he going full Nick Cage and going over-the-top ham and cheese? What do we think of his, just purely script-aside, movie-aside, him as an actor? I feel like he's checked in. I was watching it, him him and Kate, I'm like... Oh, they're really selling it. Like, Kate was really natural with her. I don't know. I thought they were checked in. I think that he was charming. and Like, he was clearly doing his thing, and he was in his element of being John Cusack. So I think he was checked in in that sense because he was delivering. I think there's some scenes where you could argue, like, maybe he's not giving it at all his all. But for the most part, I think he's very... He's, he's, he's there. He's present. He, this is still, like, in his prime, you know? The next segment is called Coffee, Tea, Me. In honor of the person who uttered those famous words in the movie Working Girl, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack's in a lot of movies with her brother, John. Not this one, though, and that's unfortunate because she is awesome. If we were going to recast a role in the movie with Joan, what what do you think it should be? Molly Shannon. Molly yeah, Shannon or Jeremy The Pippen. Bride. Oh God! Oh, because that would be the only thing that would make sense as to I can't why marry he doesn't you, want to marry sister. his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie is that he either finds this woman or has to marry his sister. 
And then you're like, okay, I'm in. Then the stakes make sense. Like, I would be so mad, but like, I think it would be so funny to see a movie get cat like get cats or its brother and sister they have to play husband and wife and they almost kiss three times or something. i mean it would make it a more interesting movie yeah <laughs> definitely make it sexier let's be honest jesus um i would think also jeremy piven could be joan because they have such great chemistry and if it was just john and joan running around oh yeah uh, and could she could fun. just be his sister yeah like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so she's like, I don't want to help you, but you're my brother. So yeah, that to. makes more sense. The next segment is called, Who Was He Dating and How Did It Influence His Performance? So John Cusack is a lifelong bachelor, but has had many, many flings with many, many famous women over the years. And in this, uh, when he was filming this movie, it was in 2000. The movie was released in 2001. He was filming it in 2000, and he was in the midst of one of his longer relationships in his life, and he was dating uh, the lovely Nev Campbell. <gasps> he was dating Nev Campbell. Yeah. And I think that's like that's one. Of, I think that is the longest relationship he's ever had in his life. They wow, dated from like 98 to 2003. That. You're saying Nev Campbell, and I'm picturing Denise Richards. But Nev Campbell is the, the other one, one in Wild Things. In Scream and in um, The Craft, right? The Burn Victim? Yes. 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 Okay. The Burn Victim in The Craft. <laughs> Please give me a break. So how do you think dating her like influenced his performance? What do you think he took from his private life and brought to the, to the film? The writer of the film said brunettes only, honey. That's what I was thinking. I mean, both of the women that he was with kind of look like Nev Campbell. Yeah. So you think he made people cast? He could have just cast Nev Campbell. Right? That's interesting that they had. Did they do a movie together? I don't think so. You'd think they would do a little rom-com. Well, sometimes working with your, you know, your significant other can be complicated. Yeah, and but sometimes like they pre-cast shit and they break up and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So. I like to think that this movie is one of his more sentimental movies. It's, you know, one of his rom-coms. I like to think that he gave such a good performance because he was in love. You know, he Aww. was in one of the only real long-term relationships of his life. And I think he brought that uh, sentimentality to the performance. And he was like, imagine if I love somebody and the week that we were about to get married... <laughs> <laughs> I remembered this other girl that, that I had, I had met one night a yeah. couple of years ago. Let's move on to our last category. It's called things I like, things I hate, things I think are weird. What's one thing you like about this movie, Elise? I did think it was charming. I thought it like was a was a cute rom com Christmas movie. I thought they struck the right chord there. I agree. Millie, what's one thing you like? I like movies that remind me that San Francisco was a cool place. Oh, <laughs> like, huge. Yeah. I feel like San Francisco is so washed right now that anything that like goes back like, oh, San Francisco was an edgy, cool American city where artists lived and had a whole thing. So mm. I like that. Millie, what's one thing you hate about this movie? I did not expect the amount of cultural appropriation, specifically of Asia. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and just blanket, all of Asia was appropriated it's in pervasive. this film. And that the, she didn't eat the cake. That cake looked delicious. That's the biggest flaw of the movie. That cake was perfect. It was so disturbing. 
Elise, what's one thing you hate about this movie? I hate how John Cusack was doing his fiance. I think mm. it's fucking crazy that we're supposed to root for him to ruin this gorgeous wedding. Elise is planning a wedding, so you now you I know. know. I think, I mean, I just, maybe that's why because that's where my head is at but i'm just like looking around i'm like this wedding costs so much money you can't figure out before now you can't go on this journey before now you got to do this two weeks out like do like get like at least get married and get divorced after like go through with the fucking wedding at this point like do you think that's a good like yeah like what do you think about that like get married and then get divorced is better oh you you don't even need to get divorced literally yes you can just get annulled i know if you have that much money on the table like try to be married because it's crazy to get married at the have a wedding at the Waldorf Astoria and call it off that morning you couldn't try to work that out like I don't know all these people just spent all this money to go to your wedding you're not gonna try I don't know I think you just get married and you try for a little bit just because you everybody bought tickets to this shit people are (laughs) flying in they got fucking rooms at the Waldorf Astoria. You had me get a room in your fucking hotel block exactly. in the Waldorf Astoria. I bought exactly. a gown. Fuck you. Get married and figure it out. I mean, <laughs> that's as, what I say. Exactly. As another person who's planning a wedding right yes. now, I wholeheartedly agree. All right. Any final thoughts on serendipity? Fuck you for making me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, uh, we've come to the end of this wonderful Christmas episode of Pod Cusack. Thank you guys both so much for being on the pod. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thank you for having us. Hi to your dad. (laughs) Steve Strickland, (laughs) Millie says hello. Elise, where can we find more of you on the internet? You can find more of me online at Instagram, uh, at Pandalise, that's P-A-N-D-A-L-I-S-E, and on Twitter at Elise Navidad, that's A-L-I-S-E, and then Navidad. Love that handle. Thank you. Millie, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Millie Tamarez, M-I-L-L-Y-T-A-M-A-R-E-Z, and you can find me on Instagram at Millie, M-I-L-L-Y-O-N-4, I-R-E. Millie on fire, millionaire, whichever one you want. Thanks again, guys. And you can find me at Strickbomb on Twitter. And uh, please, if you're still listening, it means you like the podcast, like, subscribe, do it all. Uh, and please return. We got a lot more Pod Cusack coming at you this holiday season. It's Pod Cusack, baby. It's Pod Cusack, baby.